Welcome to The Ordinary Show, an ordinary podcast with ordinary guests for ordinary people. Welcome. My guest today is Tanae. She is a chef, and we're going to discuss being a chef, and she has a pretty good social media presence. We're going to discuss some of that, and I am really happy to have her on the show. I'm I'm, uh, happy that she decided to come on the show, and I really appreciate it. Uh, Welcome to the show, Tanae. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you asking me to be a guest. Yeah, no, you know, I saw some of your content online and I was like, oh, it seems pretty interesting. And then when I started going into your, your social media and seeing that you were a chef, things like that, I was like, okay, th- this would be interesting. And so, you know, uh, I wanted to just dive into that. And so um, I will just jump right into it if that's cool with you. Sure, let's do yeah. it. Okay, so... What attracted you to the culinary arts or the or a culinary career? Because you're a chef. Yeah. So actually, when I was younger, um, I had an interesting living situation, and I was living with my mom and my aunt and my cousins, and it was just a lot of things always going on at one time. So I mm-hmm. felt like I wanted to find a hobby or something that was different for me that made me almost feel like time stopped so food ended up being kind of like a stress relief for me when I was sad I felt like food is always people's you know go to they eat when they're sad they eat when they're hungry but for me it wasn't about eating it was more about making it so just watching the food network I started to be interested in different ingredients and the way food tastes and the way you can mix two different things to make something else um, and that's really what got me interested in the culinary industry. And then eventually I decided to go to culinary school to just kind of um, make it like full circle so that I felt like I knew as much as I could within the industry. What uh, culinary school did you go to, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I went to Johnson & Wales University and I went to the location in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, okay, okay. So how how long is culinary school usually? How long does it usually last? So it kind of depends on what school you go to. My specific school at Johnson and Wales, you have the option to do a two-year or a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. Um, with a two-year, you could do an associate's, and it basically is just the culinary part of it. You're doing a whole bunch of different classes in different parts of the culinary industry, like um, Italian and fine dining and beverages, things that you run into by being a chef so that you kind of are able to do a little bit of everything. Or you can do a four-year degree program, which is what I did. After two years, I did graduate with an associate's, and then I did two more years, and I got a bachelor's of science where I got to learn more about the business side of it. Um, I got mm. to learn how to run like an accounting book if I wanted to be um, a restaurant owner. I learned how to um, do like different parts of cost control and just a deep dive into being more of a restaurant owner or a business owner versus just being a culinary chef, just working, you know, behind the line and cooking and stuff. Okay, so a culinary chef is just someone who does the cooking and can please correct me wrong. So a culinary chef does like the cooking and things like that. But like the chef is more like running the kitchen. Is, is that the difference? It kind of just depends, to be honest. So a chef um, more so is a person that has the knowledge of the culinary part of the industry. They know about the food. They know about, you know, what goes into making recipes and things like that. But more so, um, I don't know how to really, you know, distinguish it because I would never want to say like somebody's not a chef. Now, a cook and a chef, that's a conversation we can really get into. Okay. But most chefs kind of know, you know, a little bit of the behind the scenes work, you know, how to run a restaurant, but they more so are immersed in the culinary part of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you have to go to school to be a cook or can or is that something that's more just like um like a laborer kind of? Yeah, that's a good good way to kind of start that off because there is an ongoing conversation of what's the difference between a chef and a cook. And to me, a cook is someone that is more so, you know, they learn at home, they learn by family recipes, they are people that did not go to culinary school and get formal, you know, training about the techniques. And a chef 
is someone that has some type of culinary background that has some type of experience learning from an actual chef that has the education as well as the training versus just the training, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there, um, and I, I'm pulling from a completely different career field here, right? But that I know with like doctors, they have like a residency, right? They have to work under other doctors. Is there something similar with chefs where like you have to work under a chef or do you get that totally in school? Um, you can do either. And with um, some people, they just go right into the industry. They don't go to school. They don't go to culinary school or anything like that. They go directly into the industry and they have the opportunity a lot of the times to find great chefs that will help them with the technique, which is awesome. Um, but most culinary schools, they do provide you with some type of internship or some type of position where you do get to learn under someone as well without without having to kind of seek someone out to find that technique or anything. So being at, I went to culinary school, I had multiple different chefs I got to work under um, just mm-hmm. being at the school that have mm-hmm. been, you know, in the industry and that have worked with some of the greats and they come back and they teach us how to do it and how to, you know, carry yourself within the industry. Okay. Okay. Um, so, you know, when you, when you're first starting out in the, you just graduated, right? What's the typical trajectory of that? Like, are you going to go and like, is it easy or is there, what's the entry level position for somebody just out of a culinary school? Whew, that that is a that is a loaded question. Um, so I actually graduated from college in 2016. So I've actually been out um about four, five, six years now. It doesn't feel like it. Um, but it's hard to say because looking at some of my um peers that I went to college with, a lot of us are not in the industry anymore because culinary school is very hard. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. It is a lot more than people, you know, give credit. It's a lot. So a lot of the times when people finish culinary school, they're burnt out because we're working, if not six-hour days, eight-hour days, 10, 12, 14-hour days at least. Um, So by the time we finish in school, we are tired. Even for myself, when I graduated college in 2016, I was so burnt out that I got completely out of the industry. I graduated college in June and I started a job outside of the industry um, in July because I was so tired. I didn't want to be around cooking. I didn't want to be around food. I wanted to be somewhere where I could sit on my butt and relax for a minute. So an entry level, a lot of people go into being a line cook or even a sous chef, um, just kind of where they work underneath an executive chef. Um, but for me, I knew my worth and I knew my talent and I didn't want to go in anywhere and be under someone. I wanted to be the big dog and I didn't feel like I was able to do that directly out of college. So that's kind of why I decided to get out of it for a little while before getting just recently jumping back into the culinary industry. What do you do now that you're back in the culinary industry? So right now I am in the process of running my own business. I'm currently working with a company where um, they basically, I'm a freelance chef. I put my um, talents and my menus up on their database. It's called Cozy Meal. And I put my talents up on there and I put all of my offerings that I do in different menus. And then their guests, they promote me and their guests go on the website and they basically book me and I come to their house and I'm their private chef for the evening and I cook whatever menu they decide for me to cook. And from there, I have gained clients. Um, and I also had clients prior to working with that company just so that I can really get my feet wet um, in being an entrepreneur. Okay, that sounds exciting. It sounds fun. It is. It is a lot, but it is fun. I, it does I'm, have. It is fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it is also a lot, um, especially you know working for people. Um, especially, I mean, I guess in, in a restaurant it would be similar, but you're going. To, if I'm understanding correctly, you're going to people's homes and cooking for them, right? Yep, you got yeah. it. So I mean, I, that that brings a whole other level of probably stress and anxiety to it because when you're in somebody else's home. And they're having you cook them. That the people can be uh, rude sometimes, right? So, so yes, I'm sure when you're in their home, they tr- they treat you not 
always nice. I'm sure some people do treat you nice, but I'm also sure there are those people who are like, you need to learn some manners, right? Yeah, for the most part, I've had pretty decent guests. Um, I'm also in the wine and um, the wine and spirits industry. So I also do different um, dinners where people will cook, like they'll have their own food. And then mm-hmm. I'll just come and then walk them through wine mm. and um, mm-hmm. how to pair wine with certain meals and you know, things like that. So for the most part, the people that book me are always really amazing. Sometimes the guests that they have are the ones that are a little more um, eclectic and somewhat rude. Um, But for the most part, the actual guests, they have like a level of respect that I appreciate because like you said, I am coming into their home. It is kind of stressful because you never know what you're walking into. You don't even know what the client looks like before you get there. So it is a, a level of stress and anxiety because, you know, the world we live in today, you never know who you're going to get. But for the most part, it's, pr- it's pretty cool. It's pretty dope. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. In this what is... What is your favorite thing to cook? What's your favorite dish to cook? Oh, this is a this is a chef's worst question. Right, yeah, that's why I was like, right. <laughs> because not necessarily what's your favorite thing to eat, but what's your favorite thing to cook? I really enjoy cooking fusion foods. I'm very big on you know testing my creativity. Um, I like to kind of push the envelope when it comes to different things. So. For example, like right now, I'm making jerk lamb loin. I'm just trying something different. I am Caribbean, so we jerk everything that we can find, whether it is chicken, goats, ox. We, we do everything. So I was like, ooh, let me try this and lamb. So I like to just try new things. But fusion food, like I like mixing, you know, Southern and, you know, Asian. So, for example, I do like a um, mac and cheese stuffed egg roll. Um, or a Philly cheese steak with like a teriyaki sauce. So some just different mixes of things are kind of my favorite to cook. Okay, you know, uh, there's a I haven't been to it yet, but there's a restaurant near my house. Well, I say not not really that near my house, but there's a restaurant around here that is a Korean taco place. Mm. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. I wouldn't mind going. I, I like Korean food and uh, I like tacos, so I was like, ah. Maybe I can try there. And then um, one time um, I was talking to a friend. It was just after the election. And they were talking about Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that, you know, because she is of a mixed race. Or I believe her father's Indian, I believe. Or her, her mother, mm-hmm. I think. And they were talking about, oh, that'd be fun. An Indian, soulful Indian fusion restaurant. And Ooh, so- that would be good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, that that's my exposure to, to fusion foods. Those two things. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely underrated, but we don't realize a lot of the times when it's fusion because even with like Korean food, like their Korean chicken wings are just a lot of the time their flavor profiles are the fusion part. Like lemon pepper is not obviously Korean, but they'll do their own style and the way they fry it, but they'll do like a lemon pepper wet or something that kind of brings that little bit of like African-American to that Korean. So even that little thing is fusion, but we don't notice it. Right. Yeah. 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 Excuse me. So is there a particular fusion dish that you've, made that you like that was really good or that you want to try um i don't know i like i korean food is my new interests because Mm. like i said it's very small tweaks that they do to their food that we don't even notice it that we're just like oh we're eating korean food and no we're really eating you know soul food with a little twang on it so i don't i don't think so i'm just really interested in trying things that I've never tried before. Okay. I like going into places and just looking at the menu and going, hmm, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to try it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be a little bit adventurous. I mean... Exactly. It, it makes sense. So, this is probably another question that, like, chefs probably hate, but I'm going to ask <laughs> you anyway, right? Uh, what do you cook at home? What do I cook at home? Everything under the sun. People really? always look at me crazy when they say, like... um, 
when they say like, "What are you cooking for dinner?" and I'm like, "Oh, I'm having fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, cabbage, probably some cornbread." And they're like, "For dinner?" and I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, four courses?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have a little salad, you know, a little mousse bouche." Like, I like to cook, so a majority of the time, I know what I want to eat and I know the flavors I want. So I just cook a whole meal. I'm not a person that's going to just eat, you know, random freezer things or not go all the way. So okay. I don't know. I cook a little bit of everything. Pasta is big in my house because it's quick. It's easy. It's very malleable when it comes to flavors and textures. Mm-hmm. Um, What else? You know, anything that's like quick but good. Steak is a big one. Um, I don't eat a lot of meat, so when I want my meat, I eat my meat, my steak, my chicken wings. I don't eat a lot of pork, um, mm-hmm. other than bacon, but I do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I would have thought it would have been the opposite, right? Because you you cook so much for work. I thought when you get home, you would want to not cook. That it really depends with me. Um, for most most of the time, I don't feel like it, but I've gotten to a point um, in my you know, cooking style that I can kind of plan things before they're done. So like pasta, to me, that's quick and easy because you throw the noodles in the oven. I mean, you throw the noodles on a stove, boiling water, you don't got to do much. And to chop up some veggies and throw it in there, that takes five minutes. So to me, those are like the easier things. Um, Most of the time I do a lot of my culinary things like my my personal um business on the weekends so during the week yeah i'll cook it up weekends okay. are like my days that i eat light or eat out okay 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 so you said you eat out okay yeah i do eat out i like to eat out <laughs> again for, for, for somebody who cook i, I mean this is it's interesting I, I didn't think about it till just now what are probably from a from your perspective, right, as a trained chef, what are some of the best like restaurants to go to, like chain places? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, chain places. Let me think of where I frequent. I frequent Waterburger. Okay. I know. I think it's called Waterburger, but I moved here for. I moved to Texas. Um. Mm-hmm. Almost two years ago, and I'm from the East Coast, so we don't have no Whataburger. I never heard of it, and I tried it, and I was like, oh, this is kind of good. So they're a place that I frequent a lot, to be honest. Their quality is usually very high. Now, of course, you know, there are some times where it's not that good, but I usually blame it on the location I go to. But they're they're a really good place to go to. Um, I like the melting pot that is an interesting one um but i love the melting pot because it's something that i don't do at home i try to frequent places where i can't do what they do at my house okay that's also why i do a lot of um like i'll go to a lot of korean spots because i can't do pho at home i can't do or vietnamese i can't do um their chicken wing i can't get certain you know crispy as they do i can't get the flavors just right yet um but i don't know I don't salada. That's a salad place, like um, almost like Subway, but for salads. Okay. I'm not buying all of those ingredients, so to go there and get whatever I want for free as a topping, you got my vote. <laughs> but I don't know. I frequent I frequent a lot of more smaller places, I guess you could say, because for the most part, I'm a chef that I feel like I can if I can do it at home, I'm not about to pay somebody else to do it. But if I can't do it at home. Let me see you do it, and if it's good, I'm gonna keep coming back. Okay, okay, yeah, no, yeah. Whataburger is definitely a southern place. Um, I grew up in Louisiana, and so. Um, oh, so you get it? Yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, but yeah, those are some, some good things. I, I, the thing about it, I haven't even heard of all of, all of those. So that, those are places that I'd be, I'd be interested to trying out. Yeah, Salada is a game changer in Texas. It was one of the first places that I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to move here. Because I orig- I lived in North Carolina for school, but I'm originally from Delaware. So I moved okay. from North Carolina to Texas uh, almost two years ago. And my cousin took us to this place. She was like, you never been to Salada? We're like, what the heck is that? And we went and they were like, yeah, you just go down the line like you would at Subway. And it's completely customizable. There is no, all you do is pay, like it's one flat rate fee Mm -hmm. and you just 
pick whatever you want on your salad. And I like to eat. I'm a salad girl. So I it like blew my mind. I go there at least twice a month, if not more, because it's just so good. It's light. It's refreshing. I never have to get like a meat on it because their vegetable options are just so plentiful. So yeah, that's another, that's a, it's a heavy hitter. If you've never been, check it out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, if I ever come across it, I, I'll try it. And yes, so, definitely. I want to deviate for just a moment. Sure. You said you're originally from Delaware? Yes. Delaware is a place that, like I said, I'm from Louisiana originally, that as an adult, I run into a lot of people who are black who say they're from Delaware. But growing up, that was like, to me, that was like <laughs> white people live, right? Like Delaware, yes. Connecticut, right? Those yes. White people live, not black people. And so I, I just think it's, it's interesting. Are there a lot of black people in Delaware? It's funny that you asked that because that is literally, I get, um, is there black people that live there? I didn't know there were black people. Or I get, um, where is that? Delaware. Um, <laughs> but yes, there is actually a lot of black people that live in Delaware. I feel like it's probably more black people than there is white people. And me being, I was in band. I was, uh, I was a cool nerd. I like to say, so I'm, I'm very mixed friend groups, but I always feel like there was way more black people. I'm also about 10 minutes from Philadelphia. So there was a lot of people, you know, crossing the line because Delaware is tax free. We don't have any taxes on anything. So that also could kind of be mixed because I saw a lot of people from Philly um, but for the most part, yeah, there's a lot of black people in Delaware. More than you would think, I would say. All right. Are you from um, Dover? Or are you from a different No, part? we don't we don't even mess with Dover like that. I'm really? from um yeah. I want to see that low in that state. If you <laughs> so Delaware, <laughs> people think it's really small. It's actually bigger than you would think. To get from the top of Delaware to the bottom, it'll take you at least an hour and a half, if not two. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm from the upper part. We we from Wilmington, Delaware. We actually have a saying. Even the people in Delaware know we call it "slower, lower," um, because they're a little slower moving down there. Um, and that would be Dover area. Um, but yeah, no, I am from Wilmington, Delaware, the top little part of of Delaware. Wilmington. Okay, I'm gonna look up Wilmington. Good. Yeah, it I, should be the capital because that's where okay. everybody that's that's everything. But yeah, Dover, I I guess. But yeah, no, I'm not from Dover. Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. That was just a little deviation. I I had to bring that up. <laughs> um. So, what's something about being a chef that would surprise most people? Ah, uh, I would say from personal experience. Mm-hmm. That chefs are probably one of the smartest people. They, most people think that chefs only know how to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, a lot of chefs. But for the most part, chefs, the work you have to do to be a chef, to be in the kitchen, to work with food, you got to be quick on your feet. You got to figure out, you know, how to do things in very small amounts of time. For example, if you have to cook, you know, a meal for 10 people and say you're cooking, you know, a dessert and you make a dessert and the dessert fails, you got to be quick on your feet to figure out how you're going to still get a dessert out and all of the stuff you put all your eggs in one basket and now that basket has failed. You got to be quick on your feet. You got to be able to figure things out. Culinary also goes into math. So you got to be able to count You got to be able to do quick math to be able to convert, you know, half ounce, quarter ounce, pound, things like that. You got to be able to spell because if you have people coming in behind you and you need to write a recipe, they need to be able to read the recipe and be able to execute it as you would have planned. So I would say being a chef requires a lot more brain than people think. It is literally not just chopping. It is so much work that has to go into it. And we be stressed. We got so many things to worry about and we got to cook too. It is, it's a lot. What are your, so you talk about, you know, like reading, you know, make sure you can write the thing down right or, or, or mm-hmm. spell it right. You need to be able to convert things. So on a typical night, let's, let's say, you know, you're in a, a restaurant or not in a restaurant, but you, you just got, you're busy, right? Mm-hmm. 
what are your top concerns aside from just cooking the food? Top concerns, cleanliness um, and sanitation. You never want to get anybody sick. There are so many things that people don't realize that could get you sick, i.e., you know, have cooking rice and then eating leftover rice. Leftover rice after like two or three days can get you really, really sick. And it's something that you wouldn't even notice. So really? making sure um, exactly. Um, I didn't know. Yeah. A lot of people don't know, you know, little things um, like chicken. People talk about salmonella um, because, you know, it's a big thing. Everybody. Oh, you can't get some. You can get salmonella from chicken from undercooked chicken. People don't even know what salmonella is. People don't even know how you get salmonella. And you tell people, oh, it's because, you know, temperature danger zones and you can't have chicken out for a certain time or it has to be cooked to a specific temperature of 165 degrees before it's good for you. People are like, oh, I just thought it was salmonella. Like there's so many things that have to be, you know, paid attention to when it comes to cooking the food. So making sure that your food is prepped correctly, that is always my top concern. I think my second concern would be um, execution. Because you can plan out your whole meal. You can be, you know, I'm going to have this amount of people and it's going to be this amount of food. And then say, for example, you send a plate out of steak and they send that steak back and they've already ate half the steak, but they want a new steak because it wasn't cooked correctly. Well, guess what? That you thought you had enough and now you don't have enough. So now you got to figure out how that's going to work into your new plan. Um, but I think those are usually the two concerns that I always have, whether it is in it being in a kitchen or even working for myself, is making sure that I'm over-prepared and not under-prepared. Because being under-prepared, you never want to get caught slipping. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, from the other perspective, right, what is something... So that's what you're concerned about in the, in the kitchen. So let's mm-hmm. flip it to what's going on out there in like the dining area, right? What's the thing, what's something that people do as guests of a restaurant or just, you know, people being served by a chef, right? What's something that they do that just annoys the kitchen staff? Now I have been on both ends of it. When I was in college, I worked at a restaurant for my whole college career, the same restaurant. And I was the front of the house. I was the server. I was the hostess. I was everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that grinds my gears to this day is when people blame the servers for the way their food tastes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry that your chicken is cold, ma'am, but I didn't cook it. I'm sorry that your steak is underdone. I just brought it to the table. I didn't know it. I'm the liaison between you and the kitchen. Okay. It's not my fault. And now you're going to tip me and you're going to cuss me out like I did it. I think that is the one thing that people don't get. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. And being a chef, it's, it was easier for me to convey that to my tables and explain, you know, it's not my fault. Don't don't fault me for somebody else's mistake. I can fix it, but don't take your anger out on me. I think that's the one thing that just, it just irks me. Because it's not, I didn't do nothing wrong. It ain't my fault. <laughs> what about being in, in the kitchen? So that was about being a server. What, what about when you're in the kitchen? What's, what's something that, like, do people, like, send food back or complaining? Is that something that, what's something that? I think sending food back to me has never been an issue because I understand everybody's taste buds are different. Um, your taste buds are based off of where you're from, who's your family, what did you grow up eating? So I can never blame someone for their taste buds being different from mine. If uh-huh. it's over season, send it back. If it's under season, send it back. Obviously with taste, um, don't just, you know, yell, it's not good enough, but I can understand when people's needs are not met. Your money is just as green as mine. You go to work every day to make your money. I want to make sure that your experience is to the utmost best. However, um, I feel like people that send things back half eaten, that is that just mind boggles me. Like you ordered 12 wings and you sent back four of them. You said they weren't good. Well, that's unfortunate because majority of them are gone. Um, Another thing would be, um, I don't know, just noticing that guests don't understand that they're not the only one in the restaurant. Like, we're trying our hardest to get your food out, and we want to make sure that it tastes good. I cannot rush 
your food because you got to meet Mama and Peepaw in 20 minutes. That ain't my business. You came in just like everybody else. And like I said, everybody's money is green. So we need to make sure that everybody's food is getting there on time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think those are two things that just like, I just don't understand how people don't realize the world does not revolve around them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, so access a lot of times for people because I, it is called culinary arts, right? And so I usually like I like to access with people who are in some kind of artistic field, right? Is there a contemporary or there's someone who is like who a chef now that you just like inspires you that you find like, oh, the way they're cooking food, they're doing it the way no, it's never been done before or they're, they're bringing something back that should have been done or they're incorporating this or that. Is there someone you find inspiring right Ooh, now? That's a good question. Um, I feel like I am really enjoying the food scene of what women, Black women specifically, are doing to the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I graduated in 2016, like, it's still, the world is still a ways of way of understanding that women can be equal, if not better than men, as well as Black women can be equal, if not better than men. Um, So I feel like seeing Black women starting to kind of put their foot on necks, as I would say, in the industry is inspiring in itself. And it makes me, that's why I wanted to go to culinary school Mm -hmm. in the first place, because I wanted to be, if not a dot in the industry, somebody to look up to for a little Black girl and say, oh my God, like, I want to do what she does. Um, Growing up, there was a few chefs that I really liked, Um, Tiffany Derry. She has a restaurant in Dallas and she was somebody that I watched on Top Chef when I was younger. And I was like, oh my gosh, like she's dark skinned. She looks like me. Her hair is like mine. She talks like me. I felt so inspired to be, you know, someone like her one day. And she does a lot of Southern cuisine and Creole cuisine. So I enjoyed that. Um, Recently, Dawn Burrell was on Top Chef um, and Mm -hmm. she is also someone that is bringing, you know, that Southern cuisine, traditional food kind of back while also helping the community. Um, Naisha Arrington, I've been seeing a lot more of her in the industry and seeing she does a lot of fusion food as well. Um, That to me is very interesting. But even, you know, African-American men, a lot of them are doing things that are interesting to me and they they are bringing the light to some parts of cuisines that people aren't interested in. There's a chef, his name is Eric. Um, I think his last name is Adepiango. He's African. Um, and he's bringing, you know, interest to West African food. Um, so just things like that I find interesting because it's food that everybody eats and everybody loves and flavors that people are familiar with, but not necessarily the cuisine and what goes with those foods. So just little things like that, that inspire me to continue being the best chef that I can be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, <laughs> excuse me. I'm always um, in- interested about, you know, black people getting into these fields, you know? Um, so that's one thing that interests me. Are there, is the industry pretty mixed or is it, or are, are black men and women and people of other races also, are they the minority in the group or in, in the field? Or is this something that is really growing and there's all kinds of voices in it? Because I mean, people eat everywhere, right? But Right. I um, I think that's a good question. Uh, I think, Looking at it now, I think Black people are starting to be more recognized as the ones that are and should be a little bit more in the forefront. Um, I feel like when I was a little bit younger, because I'm only 28. I just turned 28 last weekend. So, hey, birthday. Thank you. Um, I would say like 10 years ago when I was just about to get into the industry, I felt like there were a lot of black people, but they were usually not the face, not the forefront of what you were watching. Even on Food Network, I can only think of the Neelys being on Food Network and they were a black family and 
that might be it. There were a couple black people that you'd see here and there, um, but a lot of the faces didn't look like mine. But Mm -hmm. now in 2022, more black people are coming forward and being a little bit, you know, more in the forefront. And I think it takes one ally to have a person of color to be, you know, with them. For example, uh, I was just talking about Naisha Arrington. She is now on a show with Gordon Ramsay. So Gordon Ramsay is a white male, Mm -hmm. um, but Gordon Ramsay makes sure that he always has some person of color or some person of different descent with him. So it takes somebody like him that doesn't look like us, but will bring somebody that looks like us. He always has Aron Sanchez, who is of... um, Mexican descent. He has Naisha, who is Black and Korean. Um, He always tries to make sure that he mixes the pot a little bit. And I'm starting to see that a lot in more of the industry, which I can appreciate because then that means that there is a spot for me because I'm coming for, you know, to be a TV personality. That's what I really would love to be um, in less than 10 years. So it makes me believe that I can be there because there are more people saying, you know, Let's bring on, you know, more black people, more Indian people, more, you know, just people of color. Okay. Yeah. You know, you make a really good point. Um, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, I'm a connoisseur of, like, you know, cooking shows or anything like that. So I, I don't know a lot. But off the top of my head, I mean, I can only think of two black uh, chefs that I know of. And mm-hmm. uh, those are, I'm in Washington State. Uh, up here in the Pacific Northwest, and there are two that's around here. I think I think one is named uh, woman Christy Brown, and I think the other one he runs a restaurant. I don't know his name, but he was kind of big for a while. He runs a restaurant called June Baby. I don't know his name, but those are only two black chefs. I I'll top of my head I, that I can think of, right? And you've mm-hmm. named you've named a lot, but you know it's not something that I'm aware of. Do you, do you think that black people in general, or maybe not just black people in general, do you think people in general are aware of these chefs? that are not white because when I think of chefs, I, I mostly think of white men. You are a hundred percent correct. And I will not say that I have not been inspired by some white men. I mean, Guy Fieri, he's not, he didn't graduate from culinary school from my knowledge, but like that man is eating. He's making a lot of money on food network right now. That is inspiring because he found a way to get there and to get the bag. So I can appreciate that. Um, Emerald Lagasse, he was a really big chef um, back in the day. He was known for saying like, bam, and everybody's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they know Emerald. So Emerald um, himself actually gave me a scholarship when I was in college. Um, so I can only be appreciative by these people because, I mean, they helped the sister out without that scholarship and without, you know, his presence. I wouldn't have graduated college. But I think you are correct that there aren't enough people of color in the forefront. And I hope that there's more, you know, coming forward. It does take a little bit of research to find some of them. But once you grasp onto one, they start to kind of introduce you to some more and you see more and you see more restaurants. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really big into making sure that I support, you know, the black community. Um, so it only takes finding one to find like a whole, you know, slew of African-American, not just chefs, but sous chefs and servers and um, meat markets and things that are culinary, but just not in a restaurant. So I'm all for that. Coffee shops and things like that. I love it. Okay. So on kind of like the same line or following that to its natural progression. Um, Mm -hmm. If there are people of color, you know, Black, Asian, Hispanic, or Latino, rather, um, Native, who are looking to get into the culinary arts, what is uh, your advice for them? And what are the barriers that they might face as people of color? Sorry, that was too quick. I would, um, no, you're good. I would definitely say do it. Um, No matter what industry you go in, if you are not the traditional person, for example, Angelo Saxton, male or female, if you're not a traditional looking person, my advice to people of color or um, anybody other than, you know, white male or female, the traditional, you know, people that for some reason is the standard, 
I would definitely say just be your authentic self. Don't try to be someone you're not. I think that's really where you are falling into a stereotype that you're trying to completely avoid. Be yourself, um, articulate, be clear, enunciate, you know, don't try to hide the parts of you that you feel like someone won't understand. Because for me, that's really gotten me to tables that I didn't think I'd ever sit at. I just, in myself, I am loud. I have tattoos. I have natural hair. I have a nose ring. I am fun. I like to laugh. I like to giggle. And I make sure that I always try to be the best that I can be, regardless of who else is in the room, because I'm mm-hmm. not ever in a competition with someone else. I'm always going to be in a competition with myself. So just being yourself will always get you to the next level. There's, of course, going to be, you know, standards and um stereotypes that you're trying to break there's always going to be barriers based on skin color and what you look like and what you sound like but it's never something that you should have to worry about if you are being the best person you can be mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's good advice <clears throat> and so i also i know i, I actually had actually two questions at the same time i apologize for that but what are uh, the barriers you think that people of color face when they're trying to get into this career field? I think the barriers always start with people thinking you're not competent. People mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. that they know more than you because of the way you look. People thinking that you came from like this tarnished, horrible background. Like everybody has a story, but not everybody has like, you know, my dad was on this and my mama wasn't there. Like they're, they're that's the story that everybody wants you to have. Not everybody has this terrible story. Some people just like to be in this industry because they wanted to be in this industry. So I think just people thinking that you're not competent, people trying to undervalue you, um, giving you less than what you deserve. I've definitely been been in situations where um, my counterpart, I never personally let people know who I know. So I had a counterpart that was um, white and they were getting paid way more than I was getting paid. And we were doing the same job if I wasn't doing more. Um, So things like that, of course, are going to be barriers, but it's up to you to break those barriers. So if you feel like you're in a situation you're not being valued for the talent or for the time or for the efforts that you're putting in compared to someone else, Don't hesitate Mm -hmm. to say something. It doesn't have to be in a rude way, but always make sure that your voice is heard, especially in the kitchen Um, working. I've been always undermined because I'm black, because I'm a woman and because I'm young Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not the one to try. I'm very respectful, but you're definitely not going to talk to me any type of way. So um, making sure you speak up when you feel that you need to speak up. Um, I'm never for people saying, you know, you know, just let it, you know, happen and let it ride. No, say what you mean and mean what you say. And if you're in a situation where you feel like they're not valuing you, somebody will value you. So it may take a little break, but somebody's going to value you. So just make sure you speak up when you need to speak up. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just shifting a little, a, a little bit, um, I first encountered you was um i saw you talking about alcohol liquor yes online and i yeah and i think i can tell it's kind of like a a thing that you really care about a passion of yours so can you just talk about that a little bit yes so my second love is beer wine alcohol spirits i love it um I that was my minor in college. My major was culinary arts. My minor was beer, wine, and spirits. Um, and not just alcohol beverages, but teas, coffees, juices, liqueurs, things like that. Um, I've always had an interest. That probably was how I figured out that I like to cook. It was because I had interest in mixing juices when I was younger. So I'd buy like five different flavors of Kool-Aid and like make my own mix and then make people try it. And then I would make them into like freeze pops and I would make them into um, ice cubes and then make like a lemonade Kool-Aid, but put like the blue raspberry um, ice cubes in it. So that's kind of where my interest came from. Um, I studied it, like I said, in college, but it wasn't my true love. And then when I got burnt out with um, culinary, I like to drink, so I don't like to drink to get drunk because there are stories that, of course, we can go into, but 
um, I started kind of appreciating the taste and the quality that came from wine specifically. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm just going to, you know, start a TikTok. Everybody was on TikTok dancing and stuff and dance, but my knees ain't as good as they used to be. So <laughs> I was like, let me talk about something I know a lot of. So I tried to bunk a lot of misconceptions that come with alcohol and I think within a week of me posting videos, my videos were going viral, like 100,000 views. My latest video has gotten like 600,000 views. Um, I have over uh, 5,000 followers on TikTok. So it was just bringing the awareness to people that don't know what they're putting in their bodies because alcohol is very damaging to your body. So I like to be able to say, you know, if you're going to drink, drink good, drink responsibly, put the right things in your body. Don't be out here drinking like things that are not authentic. So people don't know, like with tequila, for example, not all tequilas are 100 percent agave. Some of Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. are not made the way you should be making them. So you're getting a hangover or you're tired the next day because you was drinking, you know, crappy tequila. Not because you drank too much. It was because you were drinking the wrong stuff. So it was just me being a black woman trying to debunk some of the things that, you know, our black ancestors tried to tell us, oh, you hung over because it is. Yeah, no, that's not the right thing. Or you're allergic to wine because of this. No, it might be because of this. So that is how I got my start on TikTok. Okay. Okay. So the video that I saw, um, and and I think you have more than one, but you were talking about Black-owned brands, right? Yes, I was. So what are some Black-owned brands of liquor and spirits and other things like that that you recommend? Ooh, I have had so many because I that's just one of the avenues I've always been interested in. I want to see if their stuff is good as our stuff, so... Um, I've had, let's see, Greenwood Whiskey. Um, I got the opportunity to taste their product. Um, if you guys are interested in like Jack Daniels and Maker's Marks, things like that type of bourbon and whiskey, um, Greenwood Whiskey is a good one. I've had um, Timeless Vodka. That one I think is just in Texas, but it's, it's a very clean, crisp vodka. I've had... Um, I don't know. I've had so many. Um, I just got a birthday gift of the Domain Curry, which is done by Aisha and Sadell Curry, mm-hmm. um, the wife and sister of the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry. Um, I haven't opened it yet, but I've had so many opportunities to kind of meet a lot of, you know, different people that make their own um wine and liquor so I'm just trying to get immersed in it because I do get a lot of people that ask that question you know I don't want to drink Jack Daniels what should I drink well drink Uncle Nearest this you know a black man who helped Jack Daniels create the flavors for Jack Daniels so it literally tastes almost the same but a lot better and it's a lot stronger too so things like that I just wanted to kind of be well versed in okay yeah, uh, you know, you uh, on your TikTok page, you said um, a lot that I had never heard of. I'm not really uh, a a drinker, but uh, I know uh, people in my life do, and so you know, obviously, if I'm buying them something or whatever, I like I like to support black. And so when I saw your page, I was like, oh, let me take note of some of these brands that you're <laughs> that you're promoting, Thank or you. not necessarily promoting, but you're bringing up, and so. Uh, I appreciated that content a lot, even as, like I said, someone who doesn't really drink, um, but it was good Thank content. You. And uh, I appreciate it. Please continue to keep doing what you do. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So now's the time for the part of the show that not me, another guest of mine, uh, named The Shameless Plug. I want you to let us know where we can find you on your socials, anything, any businesses that you're doing, anything you're promoting, you got a book, whatever it is. If you want to promote it, just like we're just bombing it all out right now. Oh, OK. Let's see. All right. So you can find me on Instagram at Chef Tanae, C-H-E-F-T-E-N-E-E. It's like Renee with a T. Um, you can find most of my links on my Instagram as well. If you just click the link in my bio, it'll take you to my cookbook that I have. Um, I have 20 recipes under $20. Um, I released it last year. Um, and I'm working on a volume two as we speak. 
Um, you can find me on TikTok at Tenacious Fork, T-E-N-A-C-I-O-U-S-F-O-R-K. That is not only my TikTok, but the extension of my TikTok would be my YouTube, also under Tenacious Fork. That is my business name. Um, and if you're interested and you're in the Houston area, you want to book me, you can hook me up on um, CozyMeal.com, search Chef Tenay. You can also hit me in my DMs um, if you want to do something off the side, you know, let me know. I'm very customizable. Um, but yeah, I do a little bit of everything, but most of everything can be found on my Instagram. Like I said, as Chef Tanae, if you need me, I'm very easy to find. It may take me a few days to get to my DMs, but I will DM you back. <laughs> Great. And then the last question I have for you. Access right? for every guest that, that, that I have. What's the title of your autobiography? Ah, so I just ooh, I messed it up. What's the title of your autobiography? The title of my autobiography. Ooh. Ooh. I would say, oh my God, I don't know. That's a really good question. Yeah, One it, thing it's I, tough. I, I, I say... ask people a lot and I ask them, you know, usually unprepared and they. I would say the first thing that's funny that came to my mind was um, a Tupac lyric and they say sometimes the darker the berry the sweeter the juice because that was also something that my mom would say when I was younger because I was a little dark skinned girl so my mom would always say like you know you stay on the, the branch a little longer you got a lot more knowledge you have a lot more going for you and you might not be you know everybody's taste until they bite into you and they can see you know what they have to offer and they like it so because you taste a little sweeter you got a little bit more than everybody else so that that's the first thing that came to my head when you asked that question so let's go with it all right there you go dark of the berry sweet of the juice i like it uh I just want to say, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you taking time out to sit down and talk with us. And uh, yeah, Thank you thanks. for having I me. It. I appreciate it. And you had yeah. very, very good questions. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, honestly, it, it was my pleasure to uh, have you on the show. And I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you tonight. All righty. You have a good right. one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening. Please subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and share this podcast on social media. It helps. Follow us on Twitter at Ordinary Show Pod. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest, please email us at theordinaryshowpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, I'd like to remind you, there's nothing wrong with being ordinary. Some of the best people I know are ordinary.